0: Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's episode 229. I'm your co-host Mike Parsons and as
1: always I'm joined by Mr. Mark Pearson-Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Moonshots family and good morning members and subscribers. Mike, I mean this is good news that we're bringing everybody today because it's a brand new author series.
0: It is not only an author series, it has been a long time between drinks. We were just trying to figure out when was the last time we did an extensive deep dive into one author, and Mark,
1: I think we're on the naughty chair for that one. I think we're on the naughty list for this year because I think, Mike, and maybe our listeners and subscribers can tell us if we are indeed incorrect, but I think the last time that we did a series on a specific author was actually over a year ago. And that was for Jordan Peterson and his rules for life. So since then, obviously, we've delved into frameworks, ways of thinking, ideas around motivation and mindset, but actually being able to get back into an individual, really dive into some of their um, beliefs, their recommendations, their ideas. I'm really excited about doing, as I'm sure you are, too.
0: Yeah. So Mel has been one of those classic authors and experts that's been on our target list, right, Mark? You know, we've got this massive long list that you can check out on our website on moonshots.io, and it's all the people that we want to cover. And the good news for you, both viewers, members, and listeners is we have such a huge long list. It is indeed long, but Mel has got to the top, and I think she's got some incredible Hacks, she's sort of somewhere between Goggins meets James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, meets, I don't know. Who else would you throw into your magic formula? How do you build a Mel Robbins profile?
1: Yeah, I, I listening into Mel's book, the first one that we'll be covering in the series, The Five Second Rule, I felt as though there were reminiscent ideas Frameworks or at least um, habits that could cross over with Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. with Ed Goggins. I even got an element with Daniel Pink, the power of regret. Yep. I think there's a motivation within there that might be coming through in some of the drive that is behind the five second rule, which obviously will break down in today's episode. I think there was even Mike a reference in my mind with uh, William H. McRaven. With uh, getting out of bed early, starting your day right, and just having a propensity towards action, this idea of proactivity that a lot of our, I suppose, you know, almost favorite moonshotters often demonstrate and bring to life. I think that's what I'm starting to see, particularly within the five second rule from Mel Robbins, that is, you know, consistent.
0: I agree. So if you liked any of those books, those authors and experts, you better get ready. And if you liked Elizabeth Gilbert as well, who we know was extremely popular with you, our listeners, viewers, and members, get ready because we're going to present to you thinking on how you can break through all the clutter, self-doubt, fear of failure that you might have so you can actually activate your dreams, hopes, and ambitions. So get ready for the five-second rule with Mel Robbins. Mark, I think it is time. Let's press the play button. Where do you want to start on the Mel Robbins journey?
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. So, uh, counting down from five, I suppose, is, is the most appropriate way of introducing Mel Robbins' book, The Five Second Rule. And this is a clip from her um, very, very well known, highly recognized TEDx talk, where Mel is going to introduce us to the idea of the five second rule.
2: Your mind can process a facial expression in 33 milliseconds. It can move pretty damn quick. The other thing that it does very quickly is if you have one of those little impulses that are pulling you, if you don't marry it with an action within five seconds, you pull the emergency brake and kill the idea. Kill it. If you have the impulse to get up and come dance while the band is playing, if you don't stand up in five seconds, you're gonna pull the emergency brake. If you have an impulse about you were inspired by somebody's speech today, and you don't do something within five seconds, write a note, send yourself a text. Anything physical to marry it with the idea, you will pull the emergency brake and kill the idea. Your problem isn't ideas, your problem is you don't act on them. You kill them, it's not my fault, it's not anybody's fault. You're doing it to yourself. Stop it. I'm counting on you. One and four hundred trillion. You got stuff to do. And it's not going to happen in your head. So I want you to practice this today. When we go off to party, thank God it's coming soon, because I think we all could use a cocktail. (laughs) I want you to practice the five-second rule. You see somebody and you think they have that impulse. They look interesting. Walk over there. You were inspired by somebody and you have a request. Make it. That's why you're here. Experiment with it. And I think you'll be shocked about what happened.
0: It is so beautifully simple, Mark. The five-second rule. But I tell you what, if we took an index of human brain, and how many times we had thoughts, ideas, intuitive feelings about something that you might like to do, but then you did not do them, (laughs) I think the strike rate would be incredibly high. I think we all suffer from having huge dreams, hopes, ambitions, We see things and go, "Ooh, I'd like to talk to them." Books, I'd like to read that. Jobs, adventures, ooh, that sounds fun. And then we somehow get numb and we don't listen to that. There are these faint whispers that come past us all the time. And whether or not we're scared, unsure, or whether we've just grown numb to it all, I think Mm. listening and then acting and closing the gap between the listening and the acting, what a huge practice. What a great habit to adopt, right?
1: Yeah, and and actually I think that's an interesting build that you just done there, Mike. You know, Mel's making the case here that we need to marry an idea with action. Otherwise what ends up happening is, well, nothing unless you act. Nobody else is going to, you know, write the idea that's in your head. come up with the concept that you've been brainstorming for a while that you haven't written down yet. Nobody else can do it apart from you. But I think you're right. And the action can obviously be in a number of different ways. One of them can be talking about it with somebody else. Uh, Something that I try and do very regularly is writing it down, whether that's in a journal, if it's an idea or a thought or a to-do list, if it's something very, very productive and it needs to happen. But I think the build on this idea of marrying an idea with action is what you just said, which is you've got to be able to recognize the idea you've got to be able to listen to it. you've got to notice, oh, this is something that I have a danger of forgetting mm-hmm. or I have a propensity to come up with this idea, but then not really do anything about.
0: It. yes, because I'm going to sit
1: back. And
0: have a it might be laziness, or what's probably the case is. It's so wildly different to how you're thinking, feeling, being, doing in the now. And then you're presented with this stark contrast. Oh, I'd really love to be a veterinarian, right? And I'm working Mm -hmm. in product and technology. Oh God, that means I'd have to restudy. Oh gosh, I'd have to do this. Everything, oh, better not have that thought then, (laughs) right? Because it's so (laughs) confronting as you're, oh, that's huge change and one thing we know for sure, Mark, humans hate change. We, none of us, none of us really go out there for constant change. So here's the thing. When do you do a good job of marrying the idea with action? Tell me, if you think about moments in your day, when do you see yourself going, Ah, oh, I should X, Y, Z, and you actually do some sort of action, even if it's a note or so forth?
1: Yeah, I, I think what I try and do. So I'll, I'll try and give an example an idea around maybe um, being efficient with, let's say, moving some stuff. So I'm about to go through a bit of a house move. It's not a permanent thing, but it's something that, that'll take me across the a couple of the uh, mileage of Australia. So trying to put into action, the idea of doing something a bit more efficient, um, trying to keep it simple for ourselves, is something that I've been thinking about and percolating on for a number of weeks. Now, one of those things that needs to happen is obviously packing and trimming down stuff and making sure that you don't take everything, including the kitchen sink, with you on your car journey. Yeah. So something very, this is a very banal example, but it just shows that it's, it's relatively transferable from a work perspective. But by thinking about it, and whenever I've had an idea that I thought, oh, this could save us some time, I'll schedule it in to my calendar to come back and think about more. Mm -hmm. So I'll physically time block uh, time to maybe research. uh, Let's say it's um, a a particular way of packing, or maybe it's something that we can get for the car. I'll, I'll physically time block time to research and dedicate towards this idea Yes, so that I make sure to validate it or dismiss
0: so, because there's we, so
1: many you know, actions that will come up.
0: Of course, but that's such a good approach because I think when you allocate time for an activity, it's the crucial way of managing workload and priorities because if you only got a list of things, that doesn't uh, activate in the real world because you have to, allocate the time and the focus in order to actually do it. So there's nothing wrong with a to-do list. I mean, I love having a to-do list, don't worry. But the fact that you're going and even allocating time to think about it is really impressive um, because what you're effectively doing is carving out time, prioritizing that thought, which is really strong. My thing is similar in one part in that I will um, do a voice dictation into my to-do application and I make it a to-do because I kind of get the the thought out, get it into to Todoist app, which is the one that I use. And then I don't categorize it, prioritize it. All I do is say that is a to-do for today. And then I come back to it and write it up a little bit more. Okay. But here's the other thing. And again, I think I'm a little bit primitive here. I don't think I'm particularly advanced or anything. But what I do is I sometimes have a thought, particularly in the realm of when I experience something that's really satisfying or something that's really frustrating, I go and write like a three or four word line as a prompt in my diary for the following day. Now that might sound like a bit overdoing it, but it's really simple. I just open up my app that I do in my diary and I might say something like recording a video with Mark was really great today. And then I'll go and write that, maybe, be, you know, write some gratitudes around it or break down. Like if I did a good piece of work, I'll ask myself, well, how did I do it? Was it because I made the time mm-hmm. for it or was because I thought about it enough? I was well prepared or whatever. So throwing that little prompt into the diary is really interesting because when you come back to it the following day, you're like, oh, yeah. And actually, maybe your reflection has changed a little bit from being in the moment. Very good for trying to be a bit more objective, which is something I always need help with. So being objective and clear thinking on it. And you go, oh, okay, I can see a balanced point of view here. That's sort of my little... Uh, attempt at five second ruling. But I think overall, Mark, I think my biggest thing is the flag of if I have a thought or an intuition three, four, five times, I really try and hold myself accountable. Like, it's like your intuition or your brain is screaming at you saying, Hey, you've thought five times about reading a particular book. I mean, hello, Mike, take action married that idea with action there's obviously a reason you need to read it right
1: yeah yeah you uh, that's an interesting idea the subconscious repeatedly telling you hey man you need to listen to me <laughs> try and put this idea into action i think i think that's true and i think this um this idea of time blocking or writing it down writing a synopsis so that you can come back to it i think you're right it does Not only complement or I suppose fit into this idea of the five second rule. So put it down and make something happen before you either move on about it or actually forget about it, Mm. Uh, or you're trying to ignore it. But again, I like the build where you went there, Mike, which is you give yourself time to reflect on. Yeah. So the idea of, yeah, sure, you can have action within the first five seconds. Maybe that action is scheduling uh, to write it down tomorrow, in which case you've then thought about it during that time. You haven't forgotten about it because there is a deadline. You've put that into the diary for tomorrow. But actually having that time to think about it, to reflect on it and so on, you're right. You might come back and that idea might be even better than it was previously.
0: The other thing you can do with five seconds, Mark, is you can become a member of the Moonshots podcast. Did you know that?
1: You know what, Mike, I did. I did know that. And I have a feeling that some of our members and listeners might be aware too. However, that's not to say that this idea of ours is not something that we should act on within five seconds because I think our members are individuals who really do prioritise their five seconds every week, don't they?
0: They are definitely part of the family. And I feel like as is our tradition, um, and some might remember it, more commonly known as the trumpet blowing by Mark. But I think we should tip the hat to all of our members
1: who support us. I think you're totally right. This will take us longer than five seconds, members and subscribers. So please, welcome again, Bob, Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, and Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Paul, Berg, Kalman, Joe, Ivo and Christian, Samuela, Barbara, Andre, Eric, Chris, Deborah, Lasse, Steve and Craig all of whom, you'll notice a few names, Mike, that are expanding uh, in that section there, who are all annual members. In fact, longer than annual members. So thank you all for your continued support and, um, and love. But hot on those heels are Daniel, Andrew, Ravi and Yvette, Karen, Raul, PJ, Nikawara, Ola, Ingram, Dirk and Emily, Harry, Karthik, Venkata, Marco, Jet, Roger, Anna, Raw, Nimelen, Eric, Diana and Wade, Christoph, Denise, Laura, Smitty, Corey, Gayla, Bertram, Daniela and Mike, and our brand new member, Nelson, who has joined us very, very recently. Mike, whew, certainly a lot more than five seconds, but these <laughs> are individuals who have activated and worked on that idea to subscribe, haven't they?
0: Thank you very much to all of those members. And if you'd like to become a member, you can head to moonshots.io where you hit the big member button. Pretty hard to miss. And if you do so, you'll unlock a whole separate second podcast that we do called The Master Series. And we just uh, published one about good thinking. So if you think you need a bit of good thinking, you can get the full version uh, over at moonshots.io. Hit the member button and you'll be on the way to being the best version of yourself. But I tell you what, I think, you know, being the best version of yourself, Mark, it's about mindset and it's about habits. And I think Mel has
1: got some thinking for us on habits, don't you? I think you're totally right, Mike. Let's launch straight back into Mel Robbins, who's now going to tell us all about the idea of confidence.
2: If you had more confidence, how would your business and life change for the better? I'm going to tell you how mine had when I finally learned what confidence is and what it isn't. Number one, I know how to say no. How many of you have a hard time saying no? You have clients you can't stand. You have people that work for you, that drain you. Uh, The ability to align your goals with values and actions. Fearless negotiator. Fearless. Greater self-control. By the way, let me stop there for a second because I believe that In today's world, this is the number one skill for you, self-control. And we're going to give you tools today that are going to give it to you. You're going to make a lot more money, and you're going to be a happier human being. Absolutely, and I'm going to show you how to do it. We can talk about change all you want, but I'm the kind of person that's about real advice for real people, and that's going to require some real action. So as I'm talking, I want you to notice what are the physical sensations, the feelings that come up in your body. When I ask you, how would your life change if you had more confidence and you have an answer, do you feel yourself shrinking? Do you feel yourself talking yourself out or raising your hand? Because if I can get you to start to isolate that pattern and that habit, simply in how you respond to whether or not you're gonna answer this question, if I can break that right there so that you learn to try, I almost fell off, a minute. Oh, good. There's a thing. You learn to try. Thank you. I'm going to, like, crowd surf right now. You got me? Okay. Then you can bring that anywhere. I'm into experiential learning because, you know, I've got dyslexia. I'm ADD. It's really hard for me to read and retain. So if I feel it, if I have to do it, then it sticks. So let's talk about the myths and the truths about confidence, okay? Number one, confidence is a personality trait. Total baloney. Total baloney. Lots of extroverted people that are really bossy and annoying like I used to be, although I might still be a little annoying, um, but really insecure, really insecure. There's a lot of introverted folks that feel uncomfortable putting themselves out there, but they're, they, they really believe in what they're saying. So confidence is not a personality trait. Confidence is fixed. That's not true. You could be the most confident person in the world, and the person that you love leaves you. That's going to rock confidence. You could be a really great business person and then make a really bad decision and blow it all. That's going to rock you. Number three, that confidence starts with belief. This is where I go against so many other people. I actually believe that this is not true. I think that thinking positive thoughts will certainly make you feel better in the moment but it's not going to create change that you want. That you can be a negative, frustrated, depressed, anxiety-ridden son of a gun, and you can still take action.
0: Ooh, I think we're being uh, a little bit held to account here by Mel Robinson. Newmark.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mel's calling us out a lot in that clip there. There's a lot to break down. Um, so I think, Mike, I think first maybe we should figure out is what exactly would you identify as um, I guess that that noticing when you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable? That that moment where you're sitting in the crowd as Mel's talking to her her group and you're sort of talking yourself out of raising a hand to ask a question. What sort of emotions or, or feelings do you notice in your body when you're, you know, maybe at the edge of saying no to something? Uh, Look,
0: saying no, particularly when you're trying to discuss expectations, like I think I really enjoy working with people and taking a problem that they have and solving it and then giving back the solution. I find that really rewarding. Much like the stuff that we're doing together on the show, we're thinking through these things, working on these things to help our viewers, our members, and our listeners. So where I get in the no zone is traditionally when folks need a lot of stuff too quick. And those discussions can get, fairly challenging, particularly with newer people that I'm working with where I don't have maybe a long kind of history so we understand each other. And um, I always feel it in the belly, right? Like it's that moment where Mm. you're like really struggling to kind of agree and set expectations that are mutual and and feasible. Mm. Um, That's a moment where like I have to work on being confident. And what I attempt to always do is is in those moments is, you know, I kind of use language like you and I both want this to be great. We want the outcome to be really high quality work. We want it to be amazing. And if I don't have the time to do that, or, hey, I'm going to be traveling over to the US to do this other thing. So I can't even start on this for X amount of time. Mm. I don't want to cut you short and give you bad work because it was too rushed and insufficient time. But it's always a tough conversation when people bring very hard constraints and you're trying to navigate between them. And then, you know, the worst bit is when you feel like you've horse traded so much, it's like you've sort of negotiated yourself into a really tough position
1: and then you just don't want the work to suffer, do you? No, you're right, and and what I think is interesting about all of that, Mike, is you basically described the idea of confidence in that little breakdown. Yeah, you know, Mel was calling out the benefit of confidence being the ability to say no, to be that fearless negotiator, and also to have that that self control. I think, funnily enough, what you just described is is a great way of bringing to life those those three different things in, in quite a good case, and and it really stems from. I guess, experience. You know, you mentioned not having uh, in, in certain situations, maybe you're working with a different team. So that idea of trust right. is so important Right. because that will then help you feel reassured that you can get to that deadline, yeah. that you can guarantee the results are going to be good yeah. because you've worked with the right level of creative person before and so on. Um, for me, it's it's a similar, it's a similar feeling. If I'm in a Uh, not a corner necessarily, but if I'm in a situation where it's starting to get that little bit uncomfortable, it's a physical reaction. You know, you mentioned the belly. For me, it's it's kind of like a tenseness. You know, it's a tenseness around your back, your shoulders, and you start to think, uh, is this, something's wrong here. And I think maybe through the experience that we've had with diving into so many individuals on the show, not only are we hearing a lot about individuals such as Mel who are driving us towards action and productivity, but what we're also learning, I think, is through the likes of, for example, Robert Frampton with the with body, is noticing those situations that are either taking place in your physical self, your body, or your mind, you know, maybe increased level of anxiety, uh, desire to run away from whatever the problem is, to hide, to not get out of bed. Those things are signs. They're signals, aren't they? are signals are not they you know, they the things are. that you can listen to, notice. And when you start to notice or feel that those actions or reactions, I should say, are taking place, maybe that's when the advice of Mel really kicks in, which is you better do it now because if you don't, yes. you're going to sit there and feel like that for too long. Yes. And then you're, you're going to talk yourself out of, out of going forward and, and taking action. So it's kind of
0: two ways, right? Um, you can develop the ability to marry an idea or an insight with action if it's negative, something that's causing, frustrating you. Maybe you notice yourself being angry or grumpy. Like look into that, mm. write it down and journal on it and change your behavior. On the other mm. side, yep. for all of us is if you want to be doing more satisfying and fulfilling things in your life, notice the people you feel best around. Notice the things that you enjoy doing outside. Notice where you like spending time on the inside. These are also all applicable to the five-second rule. So it can be, hey, when there's some friction, five seconds, but also when there's good stuff, five seconds. Either way, the courage to listen, and then the capacity and the habit to take action on that idea, to me, this is such a gift and you can work on it. It's just like we learned with happiness. It's just like Michael Jordan. He was great because he worked on it. He made greatness a habit. He made being at the gym first, priority one, and priority two is being the last to leave. We can all do the same our capacity to hear what's going on around us and take action, empower ourselves. And I think that's the, the big thing. Beyond the confidence step, Mel is giving us a framework to really empower ourselves to feel more confident. And if you use those two examples in both positive and negative situations, if you reduce the negative, increase the positive, hey, chances are you're going to be feeling pretty good at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, I think that's totally right, Mike. I think this idea of empowerment is what defines your ability to feel more confident in a situation. You know, the times when I'll, I might feel less empowered are the times when I'll feel less inclined to take action because there will be um, situations where I can almost sit back. Sometimes i think, Oh, well, it's somebody else's decision. So I don't need to get involved. And sometimes not always, but sometimes that will be me taking the easy way out. Yeah. That'll be me thinking somebody else's problem. I'm not, I'm not getting involved here right. when actually I could do.
0: But that's natural. You're having, I, a, think- like, I think, a natural reaction to, you know, the, the discomfort. And you're like, we all have this inbuilt survival DNA. That's, your, that's literally how we're designed to avoid things that may cause us stress and harm. That's just how we are. But what was really key that we learned from Goggins, once you accept, oh, this response, it's natural, but I don't have to respond like that, right? Like a lot of people, when they're running and it starts to hurt, they stop. But it's amazing. You go, oh, it's hurting. That's because I'm at kilometer 10 or 15 or 20. I'll just accept that and I'll just get through it. And it's, it's what's and on the other it. side, right? It's what's on the other side. If you take the five-second rule from Mel, if you take that action and you let it compound and you keep doing it, what's on the other side is you can get rid of some of the stuff that's pulling you back and you can just launch forward into life, get after it. And to me what's really exciting, imagine if you did a week of the five-second rule, just that. How, how much better things would be than imagine a month or a year Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. You know you know what it's funny when you when we break it down as Mel does into something that's very physical. You know 5 seconds is is a physical description of of action isn't it. It's time. It's a time limit. Imagine the amount of time we would save if we were to take action within those first 5 seconds. Rather than and also not only time but anxiety that feeling of is it right? Is it not? Back and forth, that then takes up a lot of bandwidth in your brain. Oh, that's so true. In your mind, so true. You know, if if you if you live this rule by Mel, suddenly your level of productivity, I would imagine, increases because you're no longer worried yes. or distracted yes. by the other idea or action that you've been considering.
0: So this this really reminds me of Yako Willink and extreme ownership because he's basically problems. Are good, and it, it. My mantra is attack the problem, because you're absolutely right. If you don't attack it, and let's say something's really bothering you, invariably you end up spending most of your day thinking about it and worrying about it. Yeah. So you yeah, may as well do totally. something about it. Like don't yeah. don't yeah. carry that with you. Like that's just you're just spinning up yeah. and burning you know precious resources, worrying. You're not actually doing, mm. you're just worrying. So just dive in, yeah. make it happen. And it's this idea of things can compound and things kind of work in a loop. And I think that what's really powerful, now that we've made this kind of confidence habit, it's not just a one and done situation, is it, Mike?
1: No, it's really not. At the end of the day, much like happiness being a habit, much like confidence being a habit, we have to continually revisit and almost brush up our skills, much like being in the gym and working out that muscle mind. So now let's hear the next clip that we have got from Mel, who's actually going to introduce a new idea that's going to help us be accountable and take ownership, which is called the confidence, competence loop.
2: Confidence, competency loop. Let me show you what this is. So basically, if you try something, he's either going to succeed or he's going to survive. Now, what happens if you survive it? Like you really blow it, but you survive it. Well, you learn something. And then when you learn something, what are you doing? You're building skills. And when you're building skills at something, what are you gaining? Competency. All competency means is that by learning something over and over and over again, you have to do less thinking about it, so you don't have time to get anxious. Just like me in the bed. I had time to lay there, so I was thinking about all my problems. The more you do something, the more that you try, the more you build skill and competency, and that is where confidence comes. So I want you to walk out of here not only with the five, four, three, two, one. Catch yourself when you feel yourself shrinking. Catch yourself when you feel yourself editing yourself or silencing yourself. I also want you to walk out of here with a brand new definition of confidence, which I'm going to give to you in a second. Because check this out. All of us are going to feel failure. Let me show you what happens when you are afraid of failing, when you're when you're fearing it. First of all, you're going to start thinking, aren't you? Ooh, I don't know if I want to give a speech. I might be really bad at it. And then I don't know what I want to talk about. And I'm not really sure. Am I ready? Am I not ready? Should I wear the tennis shoes? Should I wear the heels? Should I not do this? Should I do this? And then, of course, as you think, you're going to start to doubt yourself. And this becomes this loop. This is what um, researchers call a habit loop. We're going to get more into this. This is a chunk of behavior that gets encoded in this part of your brain. You see, you don't, you're not a doubter, you have a habit of doing it. The same is true, by the way, when you feel nervous. You start overthinking. The same is true when you start feeling insecure. The same is true when you feel like a fake. The same is true when you start to get overwhelmed. The same is true when you start to fear rejection. All of those things, normal. It's normal to be afraid of being rejected, it sucks. It's normal to feel nervous. These feelings are normal. Acting nervous is a choice. There's only one way to break a habit loop. You have to insert a different behavior. Pretty neat, huh?
0: Oh, man, that is good stuff from Mel. And, I mean, this idea of compounding of good habits, whether we think about Charles Duhigg, uh, whether we think about James Clear, um, making these positive habits, the great news is that within your circle of control, you can make a choice to take action in your world in this moment. A choice of what you eat, what you wear, what you drink, what you prioritize on your list. These are all actions to take. Another one is like crazy stuff outside of your control is happening. You can take action on how you want to perceive those things. You can choose to Mm. be freaked out, nervous, or crazy, or anxious, or not. Make it a choice. Make it an action that you take for yourself. I love this. And it's like, as she was doing that negative loop, like you can kind of see that dark side of how. When you're experiencing those negative emotions, how it has to be like, I have a hard wire, like no negative thoughts. Like for me, that's almost almost more important than positive thinking, like banishing mm-hmm. negative thoughts from from your mind. The thing that I do is I like to respond with mantras If I find myself going into negative thinking about something or someone, I really like have this visual of me stopping and interrupting that thought. Don't take an action. Because I'm just fundamentally allocating time in myself to have a negative thought seems to be a complete unproductive and unpleasing Mm. thing. And, you know, when you meet some people and they just have that disposition where they are just, negative or morose, <laughs> you know. Um yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to allocate any bandwidth to that. I want to take action to learn how to stop those thoughts, to build the positivity, to build the confidence. And I love this loop that you can grow. And and Mark, when I looked at her explaining this, it was like she's the sister of Carol Dweck and growth mindset. I mean, this is almost like another take on growth mindset, isn't
1: it? You've you've stolen my build, Mike, because (laughs) I I totally agree. This this idea, particularly that uh, take action through to competence, is that growth space, isn't it? You're learning from taking action. You're getting better at it. And what I love about the loop, is when you then get onto the other side where you are starting to motivate yourself. Mm. So again, that goes back to what we learned in the previous clip about empowerment through that idea of building self-belief through giving yourself confidence or at least convincing yourself of confidence and then motivates yourself to go out and take action and therefore deliver Carol Dweck's growth mindset. It it fits perfectly in, doesn't it? It This idea of uh, confidence coming from success, which I think is, is probably what a lot of people, including myself really saw as you're growing up, you know, the most confident people probably in schools and so on were maybe the good looking ones or the ones who achieved really well at exams and so on, or the the best people on the sports field. That confidence is not necessarily something that uh, is exclusive to them. Right. And that's what we've heard here, where you can take, uh, Take that confidence by the horns and and kind of ride it. And I love this idea. And it's very, very reassuring, actually, when Mel's broken it down like this, calling out that it's not a personality trait in that it is actually accessible to all of us. If we are to cultivate this level of reflection, this level of challenge, you know, it's a lot of fun to be able to get to the end of something that felt a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it's something small like taking cold showers in the morning, or maybe it's a really challenging project where you've had to create a time for yourself to learn new skills. You've had to go out and maybe find the advice of other people to really absorb as much as you can, reading new articles and so on. To then get to that end point and look back and think, hey, you know what? That shows me I can get through it. I survived. Yes. In fact, I didn't just survive, maybe even I thrived. Yes. And what I've learned. Desire to keep on growing, to keep on learning. I think that, you know, when I've had particularly challenging projects in the past, you know, sometimes it's hard to see the wood through the trees at the time. But looking back at it, ideally reflecting on it and thinking about what you had to put into practice and what you learned and how that's going to benefit you next time. Suddenly it calls out that idea again of it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's how you get and that confidence is not coming from success. It's actually coming from the journey itself to even build that level of awareness, yes, uh, education, and so on.
0: It's, it's akin to, you know, the moment when you've been going to the gym or running, let's say, for three or four months, and you're really, you're really starting to see the results of you taking action. Mm-hmm. So you become better at running. You believe you can run further. You become a more confident person. So then you run more, and that's the loop. And the beauty of this is whether it's working out, being smarter, or developing relationships, they Mm. all use this pattern. And that's the real power of what Mel Robbins has to teach us. And it really is fascinating, and it is so moonshot, Mark, that – all begins with a habit, and the habit is to take action within five seconds. Don't ignore those ideas because if you do, that's sort of building up this debt inside of you of all the missed dreams, hopes, and ambitions. Just don't be that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that this is a call to action, it, it is like within five seconds do it. Get out of your head, overcome the, the fear of failure, the self-doubt and take action. And we've got one final clip where Mel really brings it home for us, Mark. Are you ready to launch us into
1: it? I am. I am. And one more time, let's hear from Mel Robbins, who's really going to encourage you and I, Mike, as well as our listeners and subscribers to not hesitate and just go and do it.
2: There's a five second window between the instincts, the shoulds, the urges, the inner wisdom, the things that can change your life if you listen to it. Got a five second window from the moment you feel that instinct to move. And if you don't, your brain is actually designed to kill it. Five seconds is all you have. The second you hesitate and you feel yourself hesitating, that is a moment of huge power because what's happened is you've just started to pull back from something that you need to lean into. And if you count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, and this is the neuroscience behind why this stupid little trick works, counting is an action. Mm. Counting backwards <clears throat> requires focus. It's also not a habit for you yet. So when you feel yourself hesitate, you're triggering your mind that something's up. All of a sudden, you're like, hey, I don't feel like it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll do it later. Right. And your mind is doing it because your mind's trying to protect you. Hesitation signals a red flag to your mind that something's up. Just that small hesitation. It's a habit that we all have.
0: It is so true. We all have moments of hesitation. And it's so interesting to see that in the end of the day, Mark, the best thing you can do is just do it. And is that not just a massive learning that we see from so many different people do the work? Take the action. Don't spin your wheels in days, weeks, months, or years of self-doubt, fear, uncertainty, and hesitation. Move forward. I mean, Goggin says if you ain't moving forward, you're going backwards. There's no in-between, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like a plant. You know, if it's not growing, it's not doing anything. It's not uh-huh. surviving, is uh-huh. it? It's, it's, de- it's decreasing because it's not actually living up to its potential. And I love this idea that hesitating is a means to essentially allow your brain, again, as we've heard on the show, your brain's not a great computer. It does have limited space and processing power. <laughs> so therefore, if it, and, and you've got to understand, I said, but we all need to understand that as we go through our days, there's only so much that our brains are capable of processing. So if you do get to a point where you think ah oh, do I want to do this bungee jump? No. Okay well my brain's already got rid of it. It's moved on to the next thing. And this idea of hesitation being the enemy is not necessarily something that I've that I've heard in such uh, direct terms. I think we've we've understood it a little bit. I like the build like we've already gone down with this idea of growth mindset. But now for myself thinking back to what I've learned from Mel Robbins, those moments of hesitation are to be alarm bells. You know, if if I find myself in that moment where I think, uh, "Am I sure about this?" Suddenly, it's right. You're in one of these moments. You need to think about it. You need to action right now. Yes, what a great call to action.
0: Oh man, like w- the enemy of the state is hesitation, right? Because you yeah. kind of yeah. oh, that would Deloring. be nice. it. That would be nice, but.
1: Yes. You're talking yourself out of it. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, the times when I have, um, you know, stepped back from something that was probably quite beneficial in the long run, it could have been, you know, a great project or whatever it might be, but I was a little bit hesitant. Therefore, maybe I missed the opportunity because I didn't respond quick enough. Or maybe it was something where, you know, you're not really sure, you haven't really done your research. So you step back from it again. Because you haven't put in that time, you haven't taken that ownership and you haven't acted perhaps quick enough or perhaps, you know, acted is not necessarily just saying yes to stuff. It's putting in the time to research it. It's putting in the time to think about it, putting in the time to separate whatever it is that you're working on right now and put the other thing that's playing on your mind in the background. That's action, isn't it? You're decreasing your ability to be distracted by putting it somewhere else so you can come back to it. Yeah. That's the action.
0: Mark, like my homework assignment for myself is whenever I'm hesitating, five-second rule, what's your big takeaway? What's your homework
1: assignment? I think the idea that confidence is a habit Mm -hmm. is going to be something I'm going to work on. You know, I think confidence can obviously be broken down in a number of different ways, as we've heard today in today's show, but the insight that you can build it you can build on that confidence, you can get better at it, identifying it and so on is something that that I think is a really interesting addition to the moonshots uh, library in my mind for sure. yeah, that's, that's something I'll work
0: it's it, It's crazy how much of success is habit. It's just so mm. crazy how much of feeling fulfilled and satisfied in life comes from healthy habits from the mind, body, and soul. It is incredible. It's one of the many joys I've had from doing the show together with you and just learning so much. So, Mark, I want to say thank you to you. And I want to say thank you to our members, our viewers and listeners too, because today was show 229. That's quite a few, really. And we studied the work of Mel Robbins, The Five Second Rule. Four big ideas. And the first one was marry an idea with an action in less than five seconds. If you wanna make a change, five-second rule is where it begins. And this confidence that you get from taking action, it's not a God-given trait. You're not born with it, you build it, you make it happen every single day. If you do that, you'll build the skills, you'll build the confidence-competence loop. So just go out and do it. Become, become the enemy of hesitation, be the person that launches into life, that learns out loud and is becoming and working on being the best version of themselves because that's what we're all about here at the Moonshots Podcast. That's a wrap.